Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So he said, well, what can I do for you? And said, we'd like to buy um, a spot to preach on the radio. And the guy said, <laughs> he's, he's sitting back in his chair. He said, as fate would have it, I just had a spot open up last week. And we laughed because we didn't think it was fate. We thought sure. it was, was the Lord. So I wanted to bring you in and talk to you about this idea of the progression from radio to the internet, which is really a big topic in our day. And, and you have spanned a long period. You've seen the height of radio and now you're seeing kind of what appears to be maybe the, the height of internet, but who knows where that goes from here. And because of your willingness to kind of adapt and, and participate in some of these things cautiously, I want to talk to you about it and get some of your, your your perspective on some of these things. Technology has made rapid advancements over the past 50 years, but the debate rages whether these advancements have been good or bad. Regardless, our lives have become engulfed in technology. To some extent, it has enriched our lives by providing great conveniences and ease of access and information. In other ways, technology has certainly caused harm. In the 1950s, technology began to advance greatly. Ideas considered to be sci-fi movie material began to take real form. Technologies like credit cards, microchips, computers, fiber optics, video recorders, satellite, and the transistor radio, among many others, were invented. I have to admit, technology is an interest of mine. I enjoy seeing the advancements that, that have been made, and I appreciate a well-made powerhouse computer or smartphone but I'm also acutely aware of the responsibility that comes with such computing power and the access it provides. Now, when I consider your background and your involvement in radio and now moving into the digital age of internet preaching, I wanted to speak with you about areas where this can help a ministry or a life excel and areas where such technologies may hinder or harm. I would also like people to learn how you progressed over the years and gain some insight into your willingness to adapt when necessary. You started at a young age preaching on the radio, 
and your active participation on the radio over the years has been a staple aspect of your service to Jesus Christ. How old were you when you began preaching on the radio and how did you get involved in doing so? I was either late 19 or early 20 when I started preaching on the radio. It was and soon after you got saved. Right? Yeah, about a year. So we were preaching at uh, a nursing home every Monday night, actually going to four nursing homes, and, and we had a group of people who took turns preaching. So each of us preaching once a week in a, in a nursing home. And some of the older believers in our home church said, you guys ought to get on the radio. Really? Yeah. So that, you know, because that was, that was the outlet. Right. You could buy radio time fairly inexpensively. And so we went down to WCCZ uh, on Canal Street in New Smyrna and walked in the office. And, and the guy, the station manager was a Jewish man who was a 33rd degree Mason. Really? Yes. <laughs> and he's wearing his, this big Masonic chain around oh, his wow. neck with the, the sword and everything. And, uh, you know, it's late seventies. He got his shirt unbuttoned and he's, you know, <laughs> in the midst of all his chest hair is this Masonic yeah. and he's flashing his ring. And so he said, well, what can I do for you? And so we'd like to buy um, a spot to preach on the radio. And the guy said, <laughs> he's, he's sitting back in his chair. He said, as fate would have it, I just had a spot open up last week <laughs> and we laughed because we didn't think it was fate. We thought sure. it was, was the Lord. Sure. And so we started this 30-minute program that aired on Sunday mornings. It took us all week to make a 30-minute program. So wow. we just kept we kept messing up. We would make mistakes. <laughs> we, yeah. No, no, I don't like the way I said that. And of course, at the time, all, all we had was a you know a cassette, yeah. handheld cassette tape recorder, and we're we're trying to back it up so and you just rewind, rewind the tape. And, and oh yeah, do it again. <laughs> yeah, rewind it and do it again, and. So we told the man that we'd like to, he said, you want a six-month contract or a year? And we told him six months, and he said, well, you know, the money will be due. Uh, I forget the time frame. But we told him, so would you give us two weeks to pray? And if God wants us on the radio, he'll provide the money. Yeah. And so we prayed, and in, in the two weeks, uh, the people that had heard we were interested in doing that, had given us enough money to pay for the six-month contract. Wow. So we've, uh, through the years, all the stations we've been on, we have always paid up front for the full amount of, of whatever contract we sign. Because I don't, I, you know, to me, the Lord provides for his work. Right. So the, the easiest way for me to know if God wants us to do something is, has he paid for it? <laughs> and yeah. if God foots the bill, then 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 we go. But anyway, so that, that started on Sunday morning. Um, the man that came on before us from, I'm thinking 8 to 8.30, was a five-point Calvinist. Yeah. And the guy that came on after us was a full-blown Armenian who preached, if you sin, you lose your salvation. Wow. And we're sandwiched right in the middle of those two guys. And as time went on, <laughs> it just turned into this... Sunday morning, 90-minute debate about <laughs> Calvinism or no Calvinism or eternal security or no eternal right, security. Right. It's like all three of us were just spending all our time taking shots at each other. And, 
<laughs> so with some preaching in between. Right. But. And you, well, you guys, so I've heard you tell stories about when you would come in to, you know, for your time to record, one or the other would be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would, they would make fun of each other. On the way you know, in we just have arguments in the lobby of the, <laughs> of the studio and, and everything. And then, um, then we came to the land in 80, started the church here in 87, and we went on WYND here in DeLand that, uh, Monday to Friday, and then I expanded to seven days a week, and that was in 91. So we started in 81 on Sunday broadcast and 91 on daily broadcast. Wow. And you were on WYND for a long time. Long, long time, yeah. 25 yeah. years, I guess. Now, back in those days, when, you know, kind of in the the height of radio, who were your, your heroes in the radio preaching realm? Well, here's what's hard for people living now, or they've gotten saved now to understand. Christian radio was supplanted by talk radio. So what talk radio is today, right. Christian radio was from the 1940s, up into the late 1980s. An overly broad statement, Rush Limbaugh killed Christian radio. Wow. And here's why. Um, A Christian radio station Mm -hmm. would get paid X number of dollars for a 30-minute slot, X number of dollars for a 15-minute slot. Right. So there was a set amount of money you could make running a Christian radio station. Right. Half the preachers or ministries were either behind on their payments or never made their payments. It's a constant ongoing thing. If I switch my station from Christian format to talk format, I can sell 20 to to 25 minutes of ads every hour from businesses who are paying up front, plus get a, a, a network fee from, you know, nationwide broadcasters or whatever. So financially, it didn't make any sense for a guy to have a Christian station when he could have a talk station. Sure. And it's not as controversial. Right. So anyway, to back up, in Volusia County, Florida, where we are now, in 1980, mm-hmm. you could get in your car and hear six conservative, fundamental Christian radio stations. Mm-hmm. There, there aren't any now in all of Central Florida. Right. And you check often. You, you mention often how you, you scan the, the channels to see, just to see Sunday morning, you, 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 you can get the Lutheran hour, <laughs> and a couple of stations will play like a 30-minute or an hour gospel music program, sure. and that's it. At night... WLAC, Nashville, 50,000-watt station. Mm -hmm. WWL, New Orleans, 50,000-watt station. WLS in Chicago for a little while. They played preaching on Sunday nights, all night. You could, (laughs) there was a guy named Ray Pringle in Jacksonville. At one time, he was on four uh, clear channel, 100,000-watt stations. You could hear him anywhere in the United States on one of those four channels. Wow. So that's that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but now all those stations, if you tune them in on Sunday, um, you hear a guy selling vitamins or a lawyer helping you with your legal yeah. problems. Right. So, so the preaching on the radio is pretty much gone. That's kind of sad. It is sad. But 
not to just blame the radio stations. It's market driven. Sure. If there was a market for preaching, there'd be radio stations with preaching. Absolutely. So 50% of Americans claim to be Christians. They have no interest in Bible preaching. Right. Not enough to keep one radio station <laughs> fundamental up <and> station going. <laughs> Where the fundamental preaching is on the radio today, it's because a church is paying for it in hopes that people will listen. Right. And that's what most of what we've noticed when there is an active fundamental Bible-believing radio station, it's a ministry of a local church who just correct still loves the idea and, and that heyday of, of radio yeah. preaching. Yeah. So anyway, you, that's not what you asked. You asked about uh, who was on. Um, Lester Roloff, mm-hmm. who couldn't get an audience today because he's too straight laced. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oliver Green, who couldn't get an audience today because sure. he sounds mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> J. Harold Smith, those were the big names. Now, J. Vernon McGee is still on wherever there's Christian radio. Right. He's kind of still going. Right. Um, didn't believe the Bible as far as he could throw one. Sure. But, but he, <laughs> That's why he's still on. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But at least, I mean, he taught the Bible he didn't believe. Right. Uh, was a fundamentalist Presbyterian who kind of believed uh, sound doctrine. Anyway, so so those guys were big. Then there were smaller Guys, there was a, a man out on a, you heard him on WLAC, um, uh, let's talk. He'd say, let's talk. And now I'm, I'm going blank on his name, but but he was a real blessing. It was another guy from uh, from the heart of uh, New Orleans and Southern Baptist guy, and he'd come on yeah. Sunday night and preach. And so there were a lot of these, they weren't national names, but then there were your, your nationwide guys. And here's another thing we lost when... The thing went from Christian radio to Christian television. Mm-hmm. The charismatics had the money. The charismatics weren't anti-television. So Christian TV became the province of false doctrine in the charismatic movement. Sure. Um, the, the radio preachers stuck with radio because TV was of the devil. Right, And by the by the end of the 1980s, the only national voices you had were um, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swaggart, Billy Graham. Right. Today, you have no national voice for Christianity. Was the move to, or the opportunity for the move to television a missed opportunity by by our circles, or do you think it was proper to, to be so hesitant and to stay away from it? Well, that? we'll get into that later. I think they were right because the the damage done to the family by television wouldn't have been worth encouraging people to get televisions and put them in their living room. Because they're not going to turn on just the the Christian preaching, or they're not going to have it just for the Christian preaching. Yeah, because at the time, you still had three, four channels was all you could get. And then some of the cable stuff started coming in. So somebody's going to have a TV in their home to see my program for 30 minutes a week. Yeah, it's it's just it's a bad trade, right? And, and that's and that's even amplified, which we're going to get into in a little while with the internet. You know, we have yeah. internet preaching, and people use the internet all day, every day. It's a massive aspect of our lives. Do we make it a a fundamental aspect of fundamental Christianity, or do we or do we stay away from it? Is kind of yeah the fire that everybody's scared to play with. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, maybe I'm, I'm getting ahead of where you're going to go. 
But Christian radio, I don't believe, was as harmful to what God ordained. What God ordained was mm-hmm. the church. Right. And to it, it, in my recollection, Christian radio supplemented church. Nobody said, I'm not going to church because my pastor is not as good sure. a preacher as sure. Oliver Green. Right. Nobody said, I'm not going to church because I can get from a radio program what I get from church. Right. So that evolved over time to where the media we have today, people are using it as a substitute for church. Right. I, I didn't see that with, with radio. Sure. Radio was like, wow, our church only meets three times a week, but I can get preaching all day long through sure. through this Christian radio station. Well, that that kind of moves us into the next section. Another major aspect of your ministry over the years has been recorded sermons. Uh, you started out recording on tapes and sending them around the world for free. Was the tape ministry an offshoot of the radio ministry, or was it the other way around, or, or they coincide? Or No, they're totally separate. With The idea with for us, anyway, with radio is reaching people that don't go to church. Right. The cassette tape ministry was more a way for people um, to learn the Bible and listen to the Bible um, apart from, or in addition to, but apart from just going to church. Sure. And here's how it worked. I'm 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm a new Christian. I'm in a church with a good preacher. Right. He doesn't believe the King James Bible. Right. I'm in a church with good people. They are, they're living their lives. They're going to church. They're not, apart from one or two of them, they're not Bible students. Right. They're just good Christian people who go to church. Sure. I wanted more than what I could get from a Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. Right. It's not a knock on the pastor. He's, he's he's a great preacher. In fact, you can listen to him on on the internet now, my pastor, and you'll hear you'll hear my preaching in him. Mm. You'll hear my my approach to the Bible, the verse by verse through a book, the using scriptures for cross references instead of using stories for illustrations. I got all that from him. Right. Um, and I, so I'm not I'm not knocking him, but cassettes allowed you to. You could order a box of of thirty sermons with a preacher teaching through First Corinthians, yeah. and he believed the Bible. And I didn't have to go to a Bible school, right, 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 and live in a dormitory and have the Bible attacked. I could I could access these great preachers. Now, here's the difference between cassettes and the internet, which is where we're going. In order to have a cassette tape ministry. You have to have a ministry. Right. You've got to have, at the time, you've got to have a a decent recorder. You've got to have a duplicator. You've got to have the money to mail the the cassettes. You've got to have, you, I don't mean this in in a bad way. You can't be a nobody in your basement and have a large-scale cassette ministry. Right. You can't be a nobody in your basement and have a large-scale radio ministry. Right. Radio time was very expensive. Um, 
you're going to be on besides just your local station. It's all, it's going to take a lot of money. It's not going to be paid for by people mailing in checks. Sure. If you're going to have a large scale uh, cassette tape ministry, it's going to take a lot of money. So to have a radio ministry back in the day, you had to have proven yourself in the ministry right. and have enough people around you to make it work. To have a cassette ministry, you had to have proven yourself in the ministry, have enough people around you to make it work. Right. You don't you can be a total loser <laughs> with not one soul one to Christ, right. not one person discipled, and you can be a radio evangelist or a radio prophecy expert, I'm sorry, an internet evangelist or an internet prophecy expert. The internet allows losers right. a forum that radio and cassette ministry never allowed sure. because of the because of the low cost and because uh, you don't you don't need anybody but you. Right. So it was different. It, it uh, the the radio ministry, even the cassette ministry, didn't undermine the churches and the pastors like the internet has done. Right. In in my opinion, that's and we'll, well the internet. We'll the say internet some more about that a, later. With a high level of responsibility, which again we'll we'll get into. Okay. Um, now, my understanding is the tape ministry. From what I remember, it came about when the door of opportunity for you to be a missionary in Ghana, Africa closed. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what happened? Okay. All right. So we we started a church. I did in Franklin, North Carolina. Still going. Um, I was twenty two and single. Bad idea. Um, I went as far as I could and turned it over to another man, started a second church, um, was 24-ish, I guess. Uh, We went from two families to 100 people in three years. Um, All but but maybe 15 of those were people we won to the Lord. All but maybe 20 of them were under 30. So we had this fervent, zealous, evangelistic, soul-winning, carnal <laughs> baby. I mean, it just it it was great, and it was it couldn't last, sure. and it didn't um, envy, jealousy. Um, anyway, I, I I was shown the door, and out the door we went, and um, so the next opportunity that seemed to open itself up, we were attending a church. And got an invitation to teach the Bible at a college in Ghana. Right, and we 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 did everything. We we announced to the church that we were going. We uh, turned our our house over to Lily and my wife's brother, to my brother-in-law. Um, you know, in the process of saying all our goodbyes and everything. <laughs> And at the time, Ghana was wide open. Sure. Uh, and the State Department wouldn't give us a visa to go. Wow. They weren't denying visas. They weren't denying access. Just God just shut it. Wow. Couldn't do it. So we thought, well, we'll just record some Bible studies and send them to that college in Ghana. Right. And from there, we started getting letters from people in the States. Somehow right. they went to Ghana, back to America. And then there were a couple of people, um, a guy named Steve Nayroff, um, a guy named John Kokoris, a man named Dennis Gunning, 
um, who got these cassettes and just start bought duplicators and started copying these tapes <laughs> wow. and sending them out to preachers all over America. Praise the Lord! And it just it went from there. At the at the at the peak of that um, thing, um, we were duplicating, boxing, label, <laughs> duplicate, labeling, boxing, postage, mailing. Um, is anywhere from like 20,000 to 40,000 cassettes. Wow. On a, you know, on a monthly basis. I mean, there was, there was one year we sent out 500,000 cassettes. Wow. It was just nuts. <laughs> that is, that's they're, insane. They're just, they're going and they're all, we're getting a hundred letters a week from Africa. Wow. From people getting these, these cassettes and getting saved. Um, so, What's good? What was good about the cassette tape ministry? Um, I I was I thirteen and a half years I delivered mail. Right. I've got a cassette tape player in my bag with my mail. I'm listening to preaching all day while wow. I'm while I'm at work. There's <laughs> people are listening to preaching on their on their jobs if their jobs allowed for sure. it or in their car as they commute. So it was a great supplement to church. But here's what started happening. It started way back with the cassettes. It didn't start with the internet. Okay. What started happening is a guy in a little town in Colorado Mm -hmm. can now pick his favorite preacher to listen to, which is fine until it makes him discontented with his pastor. Right. And until he starts asking his pastor why don't you agree with Brother James? Right. And his pastor's like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. And now you've got discontent on the part of church members toward their pastor. You've got resentment on the part of pastors toward people that they see as undermining their sure. yeah. leadership or their authority in the church. So it kind of went from... <laughs> And maybe it's a false impression, but I think almost every preacher in America mm-hmm. was happy to have his church people listen to Oliver Green and J. Harold Smith sure. and men of that caliber on their radio. They weren't happy having their church members preferring their favorite cassette preacher to their pastor. Right. But... You live in Colorado, a pastor in Florida who who taught you verse by verse through Hosea is not going to come visit you when you're in the hospital. Sure. And he's not going to help you when your teenager is starting to smoke cigarettes. Right. So what happened is you created this thing where believing the Bible and learning the Bible got separated from obeying the Bible when it came to faithful church attendance and loyalty to a church and love for a pastor. So you kind of started this thing that that has morphed into what we've got today with the internet, where people don't go to church, but they call some church on the other side of the world their, their church. church. Yeah. And <laughs> some guy they've never met is their pastor. And it's <laughs> yeah. that's not biblical. Right. But it's it started back with the with the cassettes. Yeah, I'd never thought about it in 
in that context, the, the, the tapes in that context. So that, that's, that's very interesting. Well, let me give you an example before you move on. So at one time, I don't know what we've got now, but at one time we had probably four, 5,000 hours mm-hmm. of teaching and sermons on cassette. Five hours of that, six hours of that was teaching on the history of Christmas and why I believe the celebrations (laughs) around Christmas are pagan. Right. So what do knuckleheads do? Yeah. Out of 5,000 hours of preaching that would be a blessing to anybody in their church. Right. They get a sermon on Christmas make 50 copies and hand it out in their church. Sure. What's their pastor supposed to do? Thank them? <laughs> What's he going to do? Send me a letter and say, I appreciate you turning half of my congregation against me. Right. So it's, it, it, it's, it's not the cassettes. Sure. It's not even the availability of cassettes. It's that it's the irresponsibility. like everything else, people zealous, fanatical Christians in their zeal pick the wrong fights, which results in more of the wrong fights. Of course. And it it what it did, it served to start causing these great divisions in the body of Christ. If if a radio preacher preached something in his Thursday program, it didn't it didn't cause a problem in anybody's church because their loyalty was their pastor. Right. I think Lester Roloff was probably as a, accomplished more in the ministry in his day than maybe anybody. Wow. He was so wrong about dietary laws. <laughs> he yeah. was so wrong about applying <laughs> Le, yeah, Leviticus to the church. Right. But... Nobody paid any attention to it. Sure. It it didn't hurt churches. Right. Because people's loyalty was to their pastor, not to Lester Roloff. Today, if somebody hears a preacher preach on the gap mm-hmm. and his pastor doesn't agree with the gap, it it, it potentially splits his church. Sure. Not because of the views on the gap, but because people have the wrong view of the church and the wrong view of pastor. But with the with the idea of radio versus tapes and then CDs and then the internet, I mean, the radio program aired the day it aired and then it's gone. Right. You don't have it to pass around amongst the congregation and Correct. say, listen to this over and over and over. Because right. <laughs> nobody wanted to send in $20 to get right. a cassette copy <laughs> right. of today's no, program. really did that. <laughs> yeah. but, but here's the other thing. <laughs> And this is what I didn't like about our cassette ministry mm-hmm. and, and then our CD ministry and our internet ministry. When you go to church on Sunday morning and then back on Sunday night and then back on your midweek service, you're going to get what, hopefully, God laid on the heart of your pastor. Sure. And you might get a sermon Sunday morning about the need to witness and you don't witness. And you might get a sermon on Sunday night about the need to give, and you don't give. And you might get a sermon in the midweek service about the need to pray, and you don't pray. When you get that, here's how it used to work. 
you would write to a church or a preacher and get their cassette tape catalog. Right. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go through there and pick the sermons you want to hear. Yeah. And you're going to avoid the ones you don't want to hear. Sure. So you are feeding yourself ice cream, <laughs> cookies, cake. Yeah. You're not feeding yourself vegetables. Right. You're not feeding yourself meat. Right. So what a what a faithful attendance at church was in, designed to do, people were bypassing that by ordering up their own favorite topics and their own favorite sermons, sure. and it allowed them to bypass anything that might get them under conviction. Right. If you got a bad marriage, you order preacher uh, sermons from a preacher who's got a bad marriage. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help you. That reinforces your problems. Absolutely. But so so that's where again what's a great strength, I can listen to preaching all week long also has with it the potential to do great harm. Sure. Because I'm only listening to what I want to listen to. Yeah. And and that's uh, that's not how church works, right? So you can always think of some interesting dynamic that people and, don't. And it's usually negative. Like, I'm sorry, well, but you know, I, but I think a lot of this needs to be said and needs to be said from a proper perspective because we are venturing into you know we're already in dangerous territory. Now we're really yeah. I mean, it's the, it's in hyperdrive now. Right. The internet is, is explosive mm-hmm. exponentially at this point. Okay, so so every well known preacher will tell you this mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Started with the cassettes, then the CDs, now exploding with the with the internet. People hear a preacher, man, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. He's really deep. He's really powerful. Um, He's really good. My pastor's boring. He's not deep. He's not powerful. I'm going to move because I want to be in that church. Sure. You're moving based on the sermons you ordered. Right. You're not moving based on the ones you didn't order. Sure. So these people pack up their families. They move to a church, and they get to that church, and they listen to the guy preach. They listen to Lester Roloff preach on women wearing dresses. Right. They found a preacher who's alive today who believes women should wear dresses and men shouldn't wear dresses. So they move to be in that church and find out half the women in that church wear pants. (laughs) And now they're disappointed with the pastor because he didn't make everybody in his church do what he thought was true. And so... It it just it's it's this idea we're going to take the covered wagon to California and find gold, and most of them are going to starve along the way or get to California and not find any gold. The the grass must be greener on the other side. (laughs) Yes, and it's not. It's not Not necessarily, or it may not be what you think it is. It's never what you think it is. Sure, sure. Because you created this idea that I'm moving to the New Jerusalem. Heavenly Zion is coming yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you get there, and you're disappointed with the people, and then you're disappointed sure. with the pastor, and now you're causing trouble. And, and and that's reflective, not just amongst you know church people, but you know you've often talked about when you go door to door knocking, or you you witness people out on the streets, and they have these deep seated frustrations, and have left a church and will never return. 
And oftentimes, if you talk to them long enough, you find out it's because they had an idea about church and about the people in church. Yeah. And those people didn't live up to the idea they had. Right. And it all it all shattered. It's a false expectation. Sure. And so it's, it is very dangerous. Now, the, the tape ministry then became the CD ministry. Was, was that as notable a transition as the digital age has shown itself to be? No, it was just it, it was just like moving from a car to a pickup truck, or you know, it's it, it's a different medium, sure. but all the same. But still, dynamics. I mean, the, because it's the, the the physical object, you're recording to a physical disc rather than a tape, and you're you know, so but it, so for you, it's pretty much just buying new equipment and continuing the same. Yeah, I was just converting. Were from, you sending out as many CDs as you were tapes? No, no, the 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 cassette tapes were still tied to the. The end of the revival and the okay. boom and, and sure. the interest. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there was a lot more interest in preaching than right. than there was. And and again, to jump way ahead, and not to blame Rush Limbaugh because he you know he he just found the niche. But in the 1970s, 1980s, into the 1990s, every pastor I knew. Mm-hmm. When he picked you up at the airport, or you went to preach at his church, or he came to see you, everybody had a shoebox or something full of cassette tapes in their car, listening to preaching one sure. after the other. Yeah, brother, you fast forward forty years. Yeah, those preachers today mm-hmm. are listening to either Jesuits like Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly, right. or Christ rejecting Jews like. Uh, Mark Levin, or uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Anyway, they don't care if the guy is saved or not. Right. They don't care if the guy believes the Bible or not. Sure. They they, they don't care what his positions are. Or, you know, they're they're all wrapped up in the politics. Right. And whether it's on the internet or in their car, we've had this tremendous backsliding where. The ministers aren't listening to the preaching. The ministers aren't listening to the Word of God. They're political. So how do they lead their people into a biblical lifestyle? Um, you, you hear it in so much of their sermons. Um, they can't preach a sermon without going political, current events, because that's what they're feeding on, and now right. they're feeding their people that. And so it's it's really tough. Um, something we did uh, way, way back it wasn't wasn't intentional. We we're just preaching, teaching the Bible. Buddy Tucker owned this station here in Deland for the twenty five years we were on it, WYND, and we were talking once because he'd been in radio since the forties, Christian radio, and he said, he said, Brother Knox, the reason your program and your preaching will be successful long term mm-hmm. is you never date any of your programs. Oh wow. He said there is nothing there's nothing that I put on on the radio that you have preached that I couldn't have put on 30 years ago and that I won't be able to put on 30 years from now. Sure. Because you preach the Bible, you don't preach current events. And it's so timeless. It is timeless. Yeah. And whatever you preach that has to do t- with today it's not going to make any sense or it's not going to matter uh, two, three generations from now. I mean, these books I've got on the shelf in here in the library, 
um, you know, the current events in light of the Bible. I, <laughs> I got this book. This guy is proving that World War I is ushering in the Great Tribulation. Sure. Well, now it's a joke. Yeah. Interesting, sure. but it's a joke. And all these books about the Soviet Union. And so so that's part of it is, is the preachers have gone secular in their in their Monday through Saturday life and they can't shift gears on Sunday. Sure. So it's 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 well, really they, a different another, day. Another kind of an observation that I've had and and hope to eventually maybe record a a podcast on addressing this issue is that especially in a day like today when ideas like masculinity are under massive attack. You're not even allowed to be masculine if you're a man. Mm-hmm. And and it's causing so many of the men in our society they tend to be weak and frail and they're displaced and they don't know, they don't have any attachment to biblical truth, which would teach them their responsibilities as a man. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking to men out there anywhere because they don't have fathers that, you know, I grew up without a father. A large portion of our society now grows up without a father. And so they're looking for these father figures that can teach them their role as a man and this has brought about the rise of men like Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and all these guys that are brilliant men, but have a deep philosophical background, though they speak well of the Bible. They don't believe the Bible as far as they can throw it. And so I, in my mind, I compare them or I relate them to like a modern day Jerome or Augustine. They, they have some nice things to say about the Bible. Or Balaam. Yeah, exactly. They're but it's, Balaam. They're prophets. But they're prophets who encourage you to be part of the world. Right. And, and, the, and though they'll speak nicely about the Bible and they'll speak nicely yeah. about God, they don't believe it as far as they could throw it. No. And no. so they're, while they might be teaching a generation of men to be men to some extent, they're, they're completely removing them from the word of God and the yep. source of truth. Yep. Yeah. Be a man. Drink. Divorce, sure. yeah. cuss, well, it's all subjective. But be a man. Be a man according to my definition of <laughs> right, a man. Right. And just because he happens to be a disciplined man who maybe works hard and maybe has some morality in the sense of this world, he has no. There's no eternal value in that. Mm-mm. And there, and they, that's not going to help the generation coming after them to know what what God says about these things yeah. and the direction to go but, in. But those are the national preachers of right. our day. Exactly. Yeah. It's all. It's totally secular. That's what everybody's flocking to. Yep. Yeah. Well, over the years, recording tapes and especially sending out, you know, 20,000 a month. And then along with the compact disc that moved into or along with all that was writing books. And most of this, if not a large portion of it, you just you gave away over the years. But you gained the help and support of many faithful church members to assist in these ministries. How essential has their help been to help you to get to where you are now? Well, see, that's that's where we go back to what we said earlier. You you couldn't be a one-man radio ministry beyond a program on a local station. Right. You, you couldn't really be a one-man cassette ministry unless you were going to send out, you know, 100 a month, something like that, right. and, and hope that people liked them. 20,000? Yeah. I mean, we had an assembly line. It was, it was really incredible. Um, guys would cut, well... Let's go back to the to those days, and then I'll tell you what ended them. So we'd get 100 letters a week. We had three ladies who read the mail, and they would sort out people looking for money, 
people who really want want a Bible or people who want cassettes, something like that. And then the legitimate letters, they would turn over to two other ladies who typed mailing labels. Mm-hmm. And then we'd, we'd have guys that come in three days a week and spend hours duplicating uh, eight different cassettes, eight, eight sermons. So we'd have these boxes of cassettes and boxes of, or stacks of boxes and stacks of mailing labels. And we'd set up this assembly line and somebody would put eight cassettes in a box, slide it down. Somebody put a New Testament in a box, slide it down. Somebody would close the box, slide it down. Somebody wow. put mail label on a box, <laughs> slide it down. Somebody put the postage on the box, slide it down. Somebody would tape it, uh, seal it with tape, slide it down, throw it in a bag, take it out and put it in a truck. And we would load hundreds of boxes in an hour. It was wow. like the this big deal for our church Amen. when we had a boxing day and a mailing day. Sure. Um, terribly expensive. Sure. Um, labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has a part in it. Yeah. You know, it's not just a preacher preaching and everybody listens. Right. Everybody's hands on and you don't mind giving to something because you're seeing all these letters coming in. Sure. So what happened is probably 80% of what we were sending out was going to Africa. Mm-hmm. The Gulf War, when for whatever reason, <clears throat> we know what reason, OIL, <laughs> U.S. troops went over and liberated Kuwait yeah. from Saddam Hussein. In thanks to Allah for their deliverance, mm-hmm. the Kuwaitis armed Muslim armies who swept through Africa killing Christians by the hundreds of thousands. Wow. Well, why didn't we get involved in that? Yeah. Because, well, uh. so we're not going political. <laughs> but anyway, the, the reason we quit sending so many cassettes is the murder of so many Christians oh, wow. to, took out. I mean, we went from 100 letters a week from Africa to two or three, and those letters were about my church has been burned, all my church people are dead, I'm the only survivor, I, I made it across the border, and just horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So... Um, that that put a real dent in what we were doing, and then, but then rapidly it went from the CDs to the internet, mm-hmm. and before long you didn't have to mail anything to anybody, right? Which was was good cost wise, but it also took a lot of those people out of the participation part of it. Sure. Now you just need a couple of people. Um, but you're, you're back where you were with radio. Right. You just record it and send it out. Now you don't record it and send it. You don't have to send it out. You record it, you sure. upload it, and, sure. and there it is. So that that changed that dynamic a lot. In in talking about Africa and and all the all the tapes you were sending to Africa, if I remember correctly, at one point you put up a map on the wall, and you had come to the conclusion that though you never went to Ghana to be a missionary. You had received a letter from every village and every, city? Every place on the map of Ghana. <laughs> we had a letter from somebody that, that either incredible. got saved yeah. or got a Bible. So so God let us reach the whole country Amen. without ever going there, yeah. which thrilled um, you know, our parents who got to see their grandkids <laughs> <laughs> grow up. And didn't have to come of, to Africa. Instead of having to go to Africa to see them. Worms. Yeah. Amen. Nothing wrong with Africa. 
nothing wrong at all. <laughs> still, I've still always wondered what would have happened if sure. we'd been able to go there. Sure. Well, you could always come visit us when we get there. All right. Now, the world around us views advancement in civilization in terms of technology. They seem to completely disregard the increase in moral deficiency and lack of quality in education. They point to technological advancements as proof that man is somehow evolving into this wonderfully accomplished creature. As Bible-believing Christians, we tend to be thorns in the world's side by way of introducing sobriety to various conversations. Our inability to simply join the crowd and praise man's accomplishments frustrates them, but there are valid concerns regarding technological advancements, thereby causing us to come along in a slow and cautious manner. I've often heard you lament the current state of radio preaching, and you've spoken about it briefly already, but just in Central Florida, I know there are pockets of radio preaching where it's still thriving, still doing well. Middle Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, there, there, South Carolina, there are areas where it's still doing well. How's it going in Florida? And to hear Brother James answer that question, you'll have to come back next time. Next week for part two, as we sit down and complete this conversation with Brother James Knox, pastor of the Bible Baptist Church in Deland, Florida. But before you go, let me leave you with some statistics to think about. As of 2019, there were 31 million YouTube channels. Only channels with 10 subscribers or more were counted, leaving an estimated 20 million uncounted. An average of 500 hours of video are uploaded every minute. More than 5 billion videos are watched on YouTube daily. More than 3.5 billion hours of watch time are recorded monthly on YouTube. And they have yet to surpass television. The average mobile user spends at least 40 minutes per day watching YouTube. And this number doubles on a yearly basis. 80% of YouTube's views come from outside the United States. The average American spends around 10 hours per day interacting with a screen online. So I would ask you, do these numbers grieve you because of the time wasted, because of the expense wasted, because of the energy wasted, because of the life wasted? Or do these numbers excite you as a potential outlet to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? I guess that's the decision we all have to make. Thank you, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.